welcome to Nikki Talks. Uh, we're continuing our series on domestic violence because October is National Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And uh, today on the show, I have Brian King from the North Shore Health Project. Welcome, Brian. <laughs> Thanks for being Thanks here. Thanks for having me, Nikki. And um, we're just going to talk a little bit about uh, some of the populations that he works with and how intimate partner violence and domestic violence might impact those populations. Um, so Brian, maybe you could say a little bit about what you do and a little bit about the North Shore Health Project. Sure. Yeah. So um, the North Shore Health Project is in Gloucester. Uh, it's been there for since 1988. Yeah. Um, it was um, formed by friends and families of uh, folks living with HIV or at that point, um, a lot of people dying from the epidemic. Mm -hmm. uh, so people pooled their resources and, and supported each other. And then uh, as time went on, they got some uh, state funding to do uh, medical case management, to have mm. um, therapies like holistic therapies like acupuncture and mm -hmm. massage to help people deal with the side effects of the medications, food, yeah. nutrition. Um, and now um, it's also expanded over the last couple of years to include uh, case management for hepatitis C. So people yes, living with hepatitis right. C or right. uh, being treated for hepatitis C. And um, overdose prevention, mm -hmm. uh, HIV testing, STD testing. And um, mm. yeah, it's like mostly harm reduction based. Yeah. So we meet people where they're at. It's not, you know, you should need to change your behavior, you need to do yeah. this thing. We, yeah you know, have no judgment, uh, we just... And harm reduction yeah. means just that, basically. Yes, yeah. And, and what does, um, to, can you talk a little bit about the overdose reduction, like that part of the program? Yeah, so there's a, uh, we're right downtown, uh, behind um, Passport's rest restaurant on Center Street. So mm -hmm. at 9 Center Street is the one-stop program. And uh, it's a walk-in uh, Monday through Friday they provide needle exchange and um, overdose prevention. So uh, if someone wants to um, get some Narcan, you know, which is the emergency overdose treatment, um, they can be trained in Narcan by one of the staff there and, um, mm, and be giving great. it. So you can, you know, and it's something we're saying now, it's like a seatbelt. You know, I yeah. mean, you know, yeah. there's so many people, whether they're elderly or whether they're uh, people who are injection drug users, you know, Someone can be um, using prescriptions, can take too much. So just to have something in the house for those emergencies in your medicine cabinet and know how to use them, I think the more people that saves have it, lives. it it's saves lives. It's pretty basic, yeah. 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 Uh, so my position there is <clears throat> medical case manager for people living with HIV. Uh, so I help um, folks deal with a whole array of issues. So if someone's newly diagnosed, I help them find the right doctor, um, you know, get connected with any services they might need, do a lot of education so they understand what HIV looks like today. Mm. Many times uh, people who are uh, get infected, say this year, might be thinking about what HIV and AIDS was 30 years ago. Because you know? they just haven't kept up with, yeah, because there's right. been major changes. Yeah. But things like um, housing, um, yeah, I was ask about social that. security benefits, yeah. um, yeah. Uh, mass health and Medicare, if that's something that they would need, and 
So I'm on, you know, I'm on the phone a lot yeah. <laughs> trying yeah. to. Yeah. Do you have a big caseload of people? Um, is it have, constantly shifting? Or? I have like around 40. It yeah, seems stable around 40, and some yeah. people come and go. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, that's it's a, again a whole range. There's um, folks that are really thriving with HIV, yeah. where it's just one just small thing that's yeah. part of their life at this point. It's yeah, yeah. You know, one yeah. pill a day, and they're good. Yeah. Where there are some folks that um, were maybe were infected in the early time of the epidemic when, mm -hmm. and um, got very, very sick and are still dealing with. But the, are still alive. They're alive, yeah. yes, but they might be still dealing with a lot of the health issues that came from that yep. time so when we didn't have the best treatment. Yeah. kinds of stuff, right? Yeah. That happens, yeah. Yeah, so. yeah. And so, in terms of, and then we'll, we'll move on, but in terms of um, when HIV was. Just, just a huge epidemic, and kind of silent somewhat for a long time. When do you like? How would how would you say um, HIV was at its most sort of silent, virulent, deathly? Like when would, would that have been in the late seventies, early eighties? Well, it started in the early eighties. Is early when the 80s. epidemic really hit. Okay. And then by the late eighties, early nineties, it was really at the height. Um, okay. Where people were, you know, yeah, dying. I mean, yeah, yeah. everywhere. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I remember yeah. once at Captain Carlos talking to Whoopi Goldberg, who told me she lost seventy friends in a few months. At right. that point, I mean, it was. Yeah. It was awful, and then uh, protease inhibitors yes. were developed, and yes. that those were the first medications that really seemed to work yeah. and extend people's lives, and then it started turning things around. But those medications came with a lot of side effects and right, a lot of right, other right, right. harm, and you know, yep. uh, it was hard on the liver and the kidneys, yep, and yep. you know, and then you had to take like 40 pills a day yeah. or something. So it was oh, still yeah. a really a, a lot to manage. Yeah, but onerous, yeah. But that was the the turnaround. Mm -hmm. yeah, interesting. Yeah. Well, you know, we know that um, domestic violence and intimate partner violence affects everybody, regardless of you know, gender or ethnic background or uh, age. And mm -hmm. so specifically, we're gonna talk about this population that, that uh, yeah. comes to the Health Project. So can you, I thought it might be helpful to just look at the language around um, LGBTQ um, and uh, transgender, transsexual. We don't have to go deeply into it, but I know that um, people sometimes hesitate to get into conversations about this because they feel awkward with the mm -hmm. language. So maybe you could say a little bit about that. Yeah, I think um, there's a, a great performance artist named Taylor Mack who said, you know, the LGBTQIA yes. language is sort of like the tax code. It changes every year. Yeah, <laughs> but, that's helpful. You know, <laughs> that's probably right too. And I think the most important thing is that, um, you know, it's okay to make mistakes. It's right. just let yourself make mistakes, but to stay curious and to care. Um, yeah. I yeah. once uh, heard a story from a, a woman who's a cardiologist who said she was speaking at a, a conference, a medical conference, in front of all of her peers, and she was someone, I think she worked at like you know, Harvard or Yale yeah. or something. Yeah. I mean, she was yeah, a pretty accomplished person. Right. Right. And she was uh, presenting research about LGBT and aging and heart mm -hmm. health. Mm -hmm. and. She, you know, she got on the stage and said, you know, this is, I'm about to present my research about LGBT aging and heart health, and, and a doctor in the front row said, what's LGBT again? Right. And just the right. dismissiveness. 
uh, hit her and she said, here I was, yeah. this accomplished lesbian yeah. in the medical field and I immediately went into shame. I meant, I got into this place like I was a little kid who wasn't allowed to take up space and thought, I don't have a right to be here, these people don't want to hear what I have to say. <sighs> and she thought, you know, I'm feeling this. Like she worked through it and, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and got yeah. through it. She yeah. said, but if I'm feeling this, what is a, a trans woman of color who's in a shelter feeling? Yeah. You know, who has all this other stuff on her shoulders. Yeah. And then walks in and someone says like, what What are you, he, she, what yeah. do I need to yeah, do? Yeah. And like, just, okay, now I have to do this again, you know. And right. so I think it's, um, I think folks should know that it's okay to make mistakes. And, um, but if you're trying, you know, you're making an effort, you care, that's, that's what comes through. Like, oh, I said the wrong word, and well, let me know what what is the word again. Or, yeah. I really want to get this right. You know, it's is a different attitude as opposed to being dismissive because that just communicates I don't respect you. You don't deserve respect. Or shut down because yeah. that's what I certainly have seen. People yeah. don't even engage because right. they feel you know like they don't know what to say. Yes, yes. So I would say make the effort rather than stay silent because that can also communicate like. I'm just not, we don't care enough to address this. Mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. you know. And so um, we talked earlier about some of the terms. Yeah. And you were saying, yeah, take, I just did an hour long training on these terms. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I realized that we can't cover everything, but maybe you could just talk a little bit about a few terms that you feel are important for um, people and, and they can still do their homework. Yeah. Um, uh, so if we went to the LGBTQ, um, L stands for lesbian. Uh, so female identified women who um, uh, are attracted to other women spiritually, romantically. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I always say there's exceptions. There are many uh, women I know who don't like the term lesbian and prefer gay. Sure, sure. Which is the next one, which yeah. is G, yeah, <laughs> which yeah. is gay. Yeah. Um, and um, primarily that's uh, men who identify as um you know, who, whose sexual orientation and, and romantic orientation are towards same sex. Mm -hmm. And then B for bisexual. Um, bisexual doesn't mean people want to sleep with every single person who walks by. That's All some at sort once. of. Yeah, yeah the, I don't know where that comes from. There is from. a thing just about like, that. Yeah. I know yeah. bisexual people who are in monogamous marriages yeah. Yeah. <laughs> with yeah. a person of the opposite sex right. or the same sex. Right. It's, right. You know. Um, you know, just because you know someone's heterosexual doesn't mean they want to sleep with everyone in the opposite sex. Yeah, exactly. Sex, you know? um, and then the T is sort of the umbrella term of transgender, which in includes anyone whose um, gender is different than that they were assigned at birth, and that can include a whole range. You know, it's not just male or female, but it can also include folks who are non-binary. Uh, binary meaning like here's male. Here's yeah. female. It's very, very rigid. Yeah. I think in reality we know that's not true. There are yeah. masculine women and yeah. feminine men yeah. and the whole range in between of what that even means. Um, so uh, transgender is a good umbrella term. Um, but at the end of the day, it's you know what people, the language they use for themselves. There's gender queer. Mm -hmm. uh, the Q can stand for queer or questioning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Queer is a reclaimed word, so people hear right. that as negative. That was right. That's an interesting thing because yeah. yeah, you do hear it much more, and it's in a non-negative yeah. context. I think it's um, you know, I think about when I was young. You know, people would drive by and yell "queer" out the yeah, yeah. window. They still right. do sometimes, right. but um, faggot. That was yeah. what everybody used. Right. Yeah. And I so I once made a shirt 
that, you know, said fag on it. Oh, yeah. And so when someone would drive by and say that, I would just turn and be like, hey. Yeah. Like, so I reclaimed it. Yeah, that's thing, exactly. It's, it's not a negative thing. You may think it's negative, but that's on you. It's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's whatever. exactly right. Yeah. So that's where the, why the word queer has come back. Uh, to be reclaimed. And I think it's been mm. in the vernacular for so long that there are young people who identify as queer, queer who've never, never heard it as a negative. That. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. And what's the I? What is I? A? Well, there's I, which can be um, intersex. So okay. those are um, people who okay. are, um, when they uh, when born, um, the you know the typical patterns that a doctor would use to determine if someone is... Okay male or female, yep. for their sex, yep. uh, their biological sex. Um, there's a certain percentage of people that uh, don't fall into either category. And it used to be the, the, um, the normal procedure would be to, uh, to medically um, turn that child into a girl because that was the easiest yes, thing right. to do. Right. We don't do that anymore or it's not recommended because you, know, you don't know until the uh, the person goes through their puberty, really, mm -hmm. how they feel about mm -hmm. their gender, generally. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. yep. you know, if someone's basically medically forced into one, it could be the wrong one. Yep. Um, so that's the I, and then A can be um, ally. So, okay. You know, oh, okay. Yeah, that so I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. so someone who... Uh, oh. You know, it's a little oh, more good. than saying, oh, I have a gay cousin and he's oh, yeah. cool. I know someone who's gay. <laughs> right. <laughs> that it's kind of thing. More like you, you actually put your, your money where your mouth is and you, you show up and you, you vote oh. in a certain way to make sure yeah. that the rights of LGBT people are, are honored and you, know, you do the work. That would be a, a true ally um, in any case, no matter what, you know, if, if it's something that doesn't affect you, but you are there to make sure that it doesn't, uh, other people aren't being harmed. You're an ally, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but also asexual, which, okay. yep. you know, some, some include in it, some don't, but that's the idea that you maybe don't have a sexual orientation or are not interested in sex, and there's definitely a percentage of people sure. who still, you know, might get married and have kids, and, yeah, yeah. and but it's not their natural orientation. Yeah, you know. yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, so in terms of um, domestic violence, and I forgot to mention that Brian is also a member of the Gloucester Coalition for the Prevention of Domestic Abuse. So he knows what he's talking about here. And um, I wonder if you could reflect a little bit about how you feel uh, domestic violence or intimate partner violence specifically impacts this population mm -hmm. and, and what are some of the maybe increased risk factors? Mm -hmm. um. Well, maybe I'll, I'll just jump back because yeah, sure, there's sure. two yeah. that I want to I could talk about. One would be um, since I'm an HIV case manager, right? Um, with people living with HIV, there's still a lot of stigma out there around mm -hmm. HIV status. Even mm -hmm. though we know, if um, uh, first of all, that everyone should be treated with dignity and respect, no matter what you know their the health place issues to start, are. Right. Um, right. Right. But um, there's still a lot of stigma and misinformation about HIV, so um, a lot of folks don't know that if someone's living with HIV and they're taking their medications and they're undetectable, they can't transmit the virus to anyone else. Most uh, new infections from HIV happen when one of the partners doesn't know that they have HIV. 
So that's when they're most infectious. I'm going to restate that to make sure I understand it, and also it seems important for people to understand yeah. that. So what you're saying is that if a person is HIV positive but is taking medications, I don't mm -hmm. know if that's specific yep. medications, and will not transmit the virus right. to a sexual partner. Right. So okay. if they are um, undetectable, which many of my clients have been undetectable for years because they adhere to their medications. Okay. Not everyone can uh -huh. do that. Some people, that yeah. yeah, so the virus is, there's so little virus in the blood and yeah. in, the, in the body that it, there's not enough to transmit. Hmm. Um, so uh, a lot of times, so some, you know, if, if you're looking at partners and you say, are you HIV positive? And the person says yes, and like someone goes, well, I'm yeah, not. Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. You know, but then someone else says, oh, no, I'm not. And then it doesn't follow up with, well, when's the last time you were tested? Yeah. And, you know, how do you know? <laughs> right. If you're just like, okay, you just take it yep. for granted that they're telling the truth. Yep. That is where the risk is. Because huh. someone living with HIV, if you say, oh, well, how are you doing? You take your medications, you know, are you undetectable? Yeah, I was, you know, had my uh, test a couple of weeks ago because oh, they, yeah. people get tested regularly to show Make like, sure that the like medications are still working. Every three months, something. every six yeah, okay. months, but it's pretty yeah. becomes pretty stable yeah. if um, the medications That's are working. Yeah. Um, so when it comes to domestic part, uh, violence or intimate partner violence, um, someone can exploit the stigma because there are people who are um, don't disclose their HIV status because choose not to. For, yeah, they choose yeah, not because yeah. of the discrimination or. Sure. The misinformation that's out right. there. So someone can say, well, I'm going to tell everybody mm -hmm. if you don't do this or that. You know, it's mm -hmm. a, a way of using power and control. Mm -hmm. uh, withholding medications is yeah. a way that um, yeah. sometimes people will abuse a partner with HIV. Mm -hmm. um, so those, those are the, the, the two major ones, um, you know, where someone literally is holding hostage your medication. Because if you take that away, um, when someone's off medications that they've been on for a while, the virus can become smart and mutate and then become resistant to those medications. So uh, that's a real danger. It's yeah. not even that you're going to get sick, is that you can, then that medication will stop working for you. So those are some things that I've, I've heard mm -hmm. have happened. And that can also be with, um, it's not just into, you know, partners. It can also be family members yeah. can use that, you know. Um, you know, there's, um, you know, if someone's, say, uh, like a grandfather with HIV yep. and is playing with the kids and yes. then in the neighborhood yes. and then the, the son or daughter says, well, I'm going to, if you don't do A, B, or C, I'm going to tell the whole neighborhood and they won't let you play with the kids anymore, you know, and the kids won't be coming over the house, you know. So there's, yeah. you know, that can be. Um, well, even, I mean, in this day and age, it seems. Yeah. Um, ridiculous, but that works also, that same scenario would work with somebody saying, you know, who has not shared publicly their sexual preferences or orientation, they can also be outed in that yes. way, right? Like yeah. the same grandfather is gay and suddenly mm -hmm. the moms say, oh, I'm going to let him play with my... Right. So that's a, a great segue into... Um, the LGBT intimate partner violence, that is definitely one of the ways that yeah. someone's not out to their family. Say they have yeah. a really religious, yep. conservative family that would reject them, um, and they're just, they don't want to deal with that. Yeah. The partner can threaten, you know, to yep. out them. As a way to maintain that control piece. Yeah. 
yeah. or prevent that person on the opposite end from having community. You know, yeah. because we, mm. with LGBT folks, often deal with so much stigma and prejudice just in daily life that yeah. community is hugely important. We feel stronger when we're around people that have had similar experiences. And sure, like all of us. Support each other. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, so yeah. Pre um, partners might prevent. Yeah, that, um, those connections. Yeah, prevent those connections is a way um, huh. that abuse can happen. So, What do you think about, uh, this is a little bit of a segue, but what do you think about the environment currently, without getting too political, <laughs> um, just the environment for LGBT people right now? And have, what kind of shifts have you seen over even the last, you know, four to six years, ten years, mm. two years? Um, I can't, I mean, I can talk about my own experience, but yeah. I don't know what it's like for someone, say, living, you know, in Western Mass versus here Kentucky. versus Kentucky, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, you know, it's different for everybody depending on what family they're in, um, what town they're in. Yeah. But as far as recent history, I feel like in many ways things are getting better. Yes. You know, I just from what I hear what's happening in schools and gay straight alliances mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. that didn't exist when I was young. I no. mean it was Yeah, that's very that, positive. I, there were teachers is. who were Yeah. who were bullies, you know, with the other kids that were saying stuff. They would yeah. repeat what they were saying. I mean, it was amazing that that was happening. The teachers repeating what the bullying kids were saying. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's But disturbing. that's, you know, 30 years ago. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I think things have changed mm -hmm. and, and I don't want to diminish that. People no, have done no. a lot of work. So important, I think right. parents seem to be right. so much more aware. I know, I mean, I have a, a, a cousin whose husband is, you know, he's a like a, a very butch guy. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And I remember um, one of his sons uh, was, took the doll of his sister and was in, you know, sleeping with it. And he came in and, thought he had stolen it from the sister, like took it oh, without her right, permission. Right. So was gonna take it away and he started crying. And then he said, and then his wife, my cousin said, oh no, no, she said he could play with it. And he went, oh, it's like, oh no, now I'm gonna, he's gonna think I took the doll away because boys aren't supposed to have dolls and that's yeah, not what I wanted to do. It's damaged for life. <laughs> like, so just the fact, like the speaker like, no, I, my son can play with dolls yeah. if he wants. Yeah. It's a free country, yeah. you know? Like, yeah, love it. He had a very different yeah. attitude than probably you know, someone his position would have had, you know, 30 years ago. So, yeah, yeah. And so I think things have changed. And you see boys going to school in whatever they want to wear. You yeah. know, that has changed, right. I think, somewhat. And, you know, in a whole range of gender expression, because, you know, it's, I believe it's mostly a social construction. So, yeah. you know, how people express their gender is really personal and individual. But, um, but I also think there's been a backlash. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, folks who've been put down and um, oppressed, mm -hmm. be they people of color, be they women, people, uh, LGBT folks, uh, immigrants, people who are, are, are done being oppressed, like just yeah. are yeah. rising up and saying this yeah. isn't okay. Yeah. So then you have the backlash of like, well, where are you coming from? Yeah. Yeah. Aren't we all just the same? And it's like, well, we are in some levels. And, right. But... These oppressions really exist. These mm -hmm. are people are really dealing with racism. They're being mm -hmm. denied jobs or housing Absolutely. because of what they look like, and that does happen. It so, does. I think the backlash is is sort of a denial, mm -hmm. you know, that this even happens. So, 
And I think, you know, that's being fueled because it's... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you think that, um, you know, people in this population are, are less apt to seek help? I mean, if, like, for example, if, if I'm a lesbian woman or a gay man, or that I might be more hesitant to, you know, either call a domestic violence hotline or, mm -hmm. or, go, or go seek assistance at a... Do you think... Yeah. I think um, because people have dealt with such um, discrimination right. that, you know, that sometimes when you have a partner, you feel safe that you even have a partner. And you kind of like, well, yeah, you know, I've already lost my family because of this. This yeah. is my one sort of lifeline, yeah. even though I'm being abused. You might not even recognize that. You might just think that this is well, yeah. this is how it is. Um, so I do think um, it's true that people uh, are afraid of seeking help sometimes because they've experienced uh, discrimination in the system. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And. You know, so we're in Massachusetts, we think yeah. we're liberal yeah, and, and great, right. but, you know, there are, you know, uh, it's still happening in this, in healthcare systems and... Um, oh, it is. Yeah. I'm sure you're right about you that. Know. One thing I did want to mention is, um, you know, historically, also, many, many people who are in those relationships have, have sought help for domestic violence and been denied throughout oh, history. So that's... Yeah. We've come a long way. Yes. Um, I, I think specifically Hawk has done a yes. lot of work around that yeah. uh, locally. But um, a, th a thing that can be tricky, because when it's a man and a woman, often the assumption is made that the man is the perpetrator. Yeah, right. And um, sometimes that's it can be a little bit new, more nuanced with yep. same-sex couples. That's one of the great complications. Yeah. That, yeah. That, and police have to be trained so that they yeah. know how to respond to that kind of situation. Yeah. And sometimes the perpetrator is the one who's seeking the help. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I know you guys yeah. have experienced that yeah. and trying to figure that out. Sort, because sort through that. Yeah, yeah, and the police, you know, they took call. What, they use the language primary aggressor to try to figure out, okay, yeah. so which person, you know, let's <laughs> say both people are hurt. Yeah. You know, it's really, right. really complicated, yeah. really difficult. Um, so we only have a couple of minutes left, and I just wanted to end with... Um, maybe you helping people understand, I guess two things, helping people understand how they can really be an ally, like, like how do you sort of step up and actively become an ally, and also what is it that most importantly you feel that people need to understand about domestic violence and th these populations that we're discussing? Well, the first thing I think when it comes to LGBT folks, if you if you want to be an ally, just to take some inventory, like do I know, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. what these folks are talking about? Do I understand? You know, we all have the tools. We have smartphones. We can Google. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. The Google. Um, you don't always have to call up the gay friend and be like, "Teach me." You know, sometimes yeah, yeah, yeah. you can teach yourself. <laughs> yeah. you, know, you can if Good you have point. your questions. Yeah. You know, they're they're yeah. out there. Read some articles. Yeah. Uh, and then, um, I mean, that's that's important. And as an ally, I said before, like showing up, yep. Um, yep. you know, to rallies, um, or, or just being a good friend and understanding that mm -hmm. these that discrimination is real, not dismissing it when someone says, you know, they've experienced some prejudice or they're fe feeling some shame yeah. that's been you know, put on them by society. Like listening and not yeah. immediately jumping to like, I got to fix this because. 
it's real. You yep. know, it's, it's, it's a real kind of the burden. difference between sympathy and empathy a little bit. Yeah. That's part of it. And yeah. I think also always part of it is your own inner dis discrimination, your own stuff, you yeah. know, that you have to recognize and deal with and get through it. And that's always right. the hardest for most people, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, yeah, we don't want to look at our own <laughs> right. stuff. And this is something I, I, I love saying when I'm in a room full of people because I think it kind of diffuses stuff. I say, I'm gay and I'm homophobic. And yeah. Everyone goes, wait, what? Huh? And I say the same <laughs> reason because I grew up in a society that has denigrated gay people. That's exactly I learned what that I'm language about. growing yeah. up, so I like I've that. internalized some of it. I've come a long way, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it still yeah, shows up. And I feel like it's not the same. Not unlike racism. Yeah, it's yeah. the same thing. I yeah. feel like, like, I'm not a racist. It's like, well, yeah. can we acknowledge that we grew up in a, in a society, racist, that, yeah, a country that was built on slavery, yeah. and you yeah. know, that we've learned that language, so we, you know, don't just deny it. No. Doesn't mean that you're an awful person. It just means that you know you should be open to the fact that you, you might have some um, opinions that aren't based in reality mm -hmm. or are based in what you've been taught. And um, sure, feel, yeah, you know, be open to look at them. It's like owning you know? your own yeah. you know, stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, well, thank you very much. Really appreciate Thanks, you coming, Brian. <laughs> Thanks for having me. So